0: Welcome to this week's episode of the One of These Years podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by a special guest this week. We got Nick Baumgartner out on paternity leave. Uh, Congratulations to uh, he and his wife, by the way, had a a beautiful baby daughter last week. And uh, Nick will be back. I think he's supposed to come back next week. We'll see, uh, you know, if he needs more time, I'm sure we'll give him more time. But uh, filling in for him this week. Our uh, our OG, our original Lions podcast host here on the Athletic, uh, Ty Shelter. Ty, welcome back! I know the fans uh, the fans have been asking for the reunion here for like two seasons, so I'm glad we could pull it together.
1: Absolutely, it's great to be back. I I just want to uh, chill and talk with you about the game, anyway.
0: Uh, well, before we get into that, I mean, can you, you want to take a second and just let uh, the folks know? you know, what you've been up there to, where they can find you on Twitter and everything. If, uh, I'm sure, you know, we, we did have a pretty good following built up back during the yeah. first season. We did this and then, uh, as I've talked about, uh, you know, on Twitter and we talked about it in our first show with Nick, it, we took a little break as, uh, the athletic podcast network got rolling and, uh, kind of pivoted. It's not even really so much a new format. It's just, <laughs> you know, Nick is on the lion's beat now. So we brought in Nick for the podcast, but, uh, yeah, one should just let people know, uh, what you've been up to and where they where they can find
1: some of your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mostly I've been writing at 538. I even did a little soccer here during the lockdown. Um, a lot of the NFL stuff is on pause right now because we're trying to cover, you know, soccer, the NBA finals, the NHL, fi- like literally all the sports are happening all right. at once. And so like the first two weeks of NFL action or whatever didn't get quite as much run as usual. But if you go to 538.com, I'm there. Um, Ty Schalter on Twitter, T-Y-S-C-H-A-L-T-E-R. And then Ty Schalter.com has, you know, basically where you can find me all over the web. Some links to my favorite stories and uh, all my latest stuff. So uh, my my good my Goodreads, author. Their profile. If you're interested in my uh, books for, for kids for the school market, I've written a few of those. And uh, I've got a novel in revisions right now. Oh, Hopefully that's go. something that becomes nice. a real thing. Um, and those of you who know how publishing work publishing works means, you know, two or three years or whatever, but just <laughs> be forewarned, it's coming. Well,
0: that's great. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you doing this and hopping back on. And I uh, wish we had... Happier things to talk about for all the Lions fans <laughs> out there. But, um, you know, kind of negated the feel-good ending to week three at the Lions. That great drive in Arizona. They get the game winner. Maybe carry some momentum into week four. Score twice in the first four and a half minutes. Force a turnover. It looks like maybe this thing is about to get yeah. going. And then, then nothing. <laughs> and 35 straight for the Saints. The offense goes into a shell can't find anyone open Matthew Stafford has another uh, stretch of where he just didn't really look like the Matthew Matthew Stafford would he used to as is tradition at home the Lions got it to one possession game <laughs> he needed a stop yeah couldn't get it uh, and so they take a loss and they head into the bye at one and three and people are wondering how much longer this current regime now has so um, I don't know where you want to start I mean I guess let's start with the game it, it get We'll go dial it back to when it's 14 0. Great start. Really good for, you know, not a great first drive, but they converted some big third downs. Good couple of good throws from Stafford to get him in the end zone. They get the turnover. And then it just all kind of falls apart. It's, this has been a theme for this team for forever, but certainly during their Patricia era. And he's talked about it a lot. Things start going down and
1: it just snowballs on these guys. Yeah, they almost split a doubleheader, where there's <laughs> right. a 29 to seven victory and a 35 to zero loss on the same day. You know, but it's it's really I think down to the run game from the New Orleans Saints. We've talked about this before, Chris. I always talk about the sort of a, a primal experience as a football fan was attending Michigan State and the the Chris Perry game, where I think he had oh, 51 carries. Yeah for like 5.1 yards a carry and it was 5.1 yards every single carry and it was just the most helpless feeling because you knew exactly what was coming they just give him the ball he gets five yards they give him the ball he gets five yards the clock never stops they never get off the field and uh, it wasn't quite that bad but that was the feeling that the Saints could do whatever they wanted on offense and and the Lions absolutely could not stop them And and I think it doesn't help that you know i want to play drew breeze in the first 3 weeks that start the national narrative of maybe drew breeze has lost it i don't want to play drew breeze after everyone's spent a week saying maybe drew Brees has lost it does that make sense yeah <laughs>
0: like, no 100% i actually um i, I I sent a message yesterday, uh, we're taping on Tuesday, so it would have been Monday, to uh, Tom Manceranis, who was my old editor at oh, Sports yeah. Illustrated, and he's a big Saints fan because um, he he'd send me a note, you know, just what do you think about that game? And I told him, people here, I tried to avoid it, but there were people in the media in Detroit who kept asking the Detroit players all week, does Drew Brees look like... done does he look like a different quarterback they're not throwing the ball downfield much does it seem like his arm's gone and I just sort of had this thought in the back of my head like here we go (laughs) you know he's gonna come out it's like especially those guys there's those few guys like you can ask that if you're about to go play uh even like a Kirk Cousins but certainly if you're gonna go play you know someone who's in his first season starting you can go ask that sort of thing if you're playing Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and these are guys you know they they'll Tom say, Brady. you know they they know yeah. what's out there they know what people are talking about and and, and I don't think it's it's a matter of that. you know they see it in the media and they just turn it on I think the Saints had a good game plan like you mentioned the Lions couldn't stop the run so there wasn't a whole lot the defense was going to be able to do anyway but you just kind of knew that Breeze was going to have a good game coming in and yeah the run thing it, it, you're right because their long run uh, was 12 yards from Kamara. So yeah. it was just sort of a slow bleed, the Chris Perry game. That's a good reference. I was actually thinking, I was trying to remember th- the the some parts of the Brady Hoke, Rich Rod era kind of blend together, but I think it was the end of the Rich Rod <laughs> era <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. when they played Wisconsin at home, and it was Monty Ball and James White were in the backfield, and they just ran like... 60 Uh, times for 400 yards or something and he just knew they were going to run on every single play and uh it must I think it was Rich Rod because he played that three-man front and you're like well what are you doing man you can't play a three-man front against Wisconsin and they just ran as every play like six seven yards you're in second and three and that's what Trey Flowers said Monday when someone asked him about the pass rush why you know why aren't you getting more of a pass rush he said well we're not if we're in third and Two, third, and three—it's pretty hard to dial up a pass rush because you aren't in a pass rush situation. You got to defend everything. Right, right. that keeps happening. I, I just don't. You know, it was a little better in Arizona, but that was a huge problem again. Uh, and it's always going to be a problem playing the Saints because Elvin Kamara is good. But they didn't take away uh, Kamara as a runner or a receiver. They didn't
1: take away Latavius Murray. They got pushed off the line. It, it was bad. It was, and it's, it's tough. This is where. I don't know how deep we want to get into the Patricia stuff, but I was telling, Go, man. you know, let it fly. <laughs> all right.
0: All right. You're sir. the special guest. You can do whatever
1: you want. This is, this is amazing. Well, this is the, yeah, we're kind of, you know, I'm the, the color commentator now instead of the play by play. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but we're this, I was telling like the guys at Spartan sports network last week. Um, okay. You know, Patricia changed his spots, right? Like he, he learned new tricks. He adapted his game plan to shut down Kyler Murray. And, you know, lots more zone, lots more disguised coverages. They were able to contain, um, you know, they're able to get a little pressure without overselling, overcommitting, committing and getting burned by Kyler Murray in the run game. You know, that's great. Now you have to change your spots again because how, you, you know, if you, if you keep contain on Drew Brees, <laughs> that doesn't matter. Drew Brees is not trying to get out of the pocket. You have to get pressure. Right. And then if you are, you know, playing zone coverage, is not going to confuse drew Brees like that's you know you've, you've got to come up with something that's going to work not just something he doesn't know how to pick to dissect because if you let him stand back there and pick you apart he's going to pick you apart and then we go back to the same things that patricia's defense has been struggling with i mean these crossing routes these slants i mean drew Brees throwing a slant you have to have a game plan for that you have to know that that the slants are coming the drag routes are coming you know, kicking it out to Kamara is coming. What is your plan for that? And if the answer is to play it straight up and lose because we have nobody who can cover Kamara and, and to, to, you know, hope that our cornerbacks can stay with, you know, guys like Emmanuel Sanders over the middle of the field, um, even without Michael Thomas, uh, you know, they still absolutely could not match up with those guys. And it comes back to, okay, you know, the, the game plan worked for two drives, and then what yeah and and then, and then there was nothing and it it can't be that there's nothing and i don't know if you want to pivot back to the offense now but this is another thing where we go to okay well if you know your plan for Drew Brees and the Saints everything else off the table you know you know you're going to have to score 30 35 to keep pace with them right like you can just go into the game assuming you're going to need to be able to do that and offensively Obviously, after those, for, you know, get the turnover, you know, touchdown, get the turnover, touchdown. Great. Now what? And again, for basically three quarters, the answer was we don't have a plan. Yeah, we
0: definitely can get into the offense. I do think it's important to spend some time on the defense because you're right. Nick and I talked about this coming out of the Arizona game as we looked ahead to this one against New Orleans because it's it's weird. Matt, Patricia's defense, just the scheme, and I don't, I'm sure the personnel plays into this too, but just the way he draws up that scheme always seems to be better against guys like Kyler Murray who you know you have to contain because they, they don't have a way to really get a pass rush regardless. So if you yeah. don't even worry about the pass rush, if you just say, we're just going to sit here, everyone stay in your lanes, we're going to drop, we're going to make sure he doesn't get out, it almost forces you to play a little more conservative on defense and to play in those zones and to drop those linebackers and take away some of the stuff over the middle. And that Larry Fitzgerald had zero receiving yards in that Arizona game because uh, the Lions kept handing him off to guys across the middle of the field. You know, it was Jamie Collins was on him one play and then Tracy Walker ran with him and then he tried to go long and over Warrior was on him. And so they had different things lined up because of the coverages they were playing. But then you get into this, this game against Drew Brees, your only chance really is to get, some heat on him. And that's why I thought they might pivot back to more man, which they did a little bit. Um, But yeah, if you don't get home, breeze was ESPN stats and info had him at 88% against the zone. He's just going to kill you in the zone. You can't just sit there and play zone against these veteran quarterbacks. um, Especially a guy who has, you know, Kamara coming out of the backfield like that. And, and they can kind of stretch you sideline to sideline. And then you go, man. And like you said, they just, for whatever reason, I mean, the the book is very much out on how to beat the Lions man-to-man coverage, uh, which is just <laughs> you run crossing. You just cross guys over the middle of the field, and then, you know, someone's going to get there because you have time to mit- run those routes, first of all. You have time to yes. run a long, drawn-out route across the field because no one's getting home. And then, you know, obviously the cornerbacks aren't finishing those plays. I mean, that's a – we knock the cornerbacks a lot, and people really wanted to – get on Jeff Okuda for that third down catch he gave up at the end of Traquan Smith and, you know, Trufant gave up a bad crossing around for a touchdown. Roberts has gotten beaten some. There's only so much you can do, especially when those guys are releasing from the slot. You're not getting a chance to jam them. There's no help coming from the safeties. The linebackers are sitting down in front of you. I mean, it's really tough to play cornerback in the NFL if that's your assignment.
1: Absolutely. And I, I, 100% 100% agree. I'm glad you said that. I thought Oruwari specifically had a, a pretty good day considering, you know, and if I don't have, you know, I haven't looked at it. I don't think the, is the all 22 out yet. I don't think it is. Uh, it just came out. Well, I just checked it Tuesday morning. So I was just looking oh, at okay. it a little bit before we started. But Oh, okay. Uh, so I haven't, I haven't checked that yet, obviously. Uh, but the The sort of mental, you know, pro football focus grade or whatever I gave to Oroare was pretty good. And, And some of these guys were in position or, you know, had an arm in there or had a hand in there or were standing about where you want them to be standing on some of these routes. But Drew Brees beat him and, you know, Emmanuel Sanders beat him. And, you know, you can't consistently win when, like you said, there's no pressure, they're hung out to dry. Um, You're trying to hand off between guys, you know, across zones um, from corner to linebacker. And, you know, we keep digging deeper, but then we kind of turn back around and look at Bob Quinn and go, okay, so, you know, when you took over, Outside of Ziggy Ansah, you didn't have any consistent pass rush. And because Ziggy Ansah wasn't consistently healthy, you didn't have any consistent pass rush. And you didn't have any coverage over the middle. You know, the, The hole in the middle of the defense has been there. And drafting Jared Davis didn't fix it. And it's looking like signing Jamie Collins, who should have the athleticism to run with some of these guys, didn't fix it. Jelani Tavai was never a coverage guy, but kind of ended up playing a lot of the middle. Reggie Ragland off the scrap heap is is getting significant minutes, significant reps. And, you know, he's not a, a sideline to sideline guy either. You know, the, right. the total yeah. lack of coverage linebackers. You know, Jalen Reeves Mabin was a guy they drafted who, you know, could be that guy too. Where is he? Um, over and over again, the answers to these problems are not answering the problems. And, you know, that's true. The edge rush. And I, I get the Patriots. You know, hey, exploit market inefficiencies. If we construct this defense just right, we don't need a 15 million dollar a year, 16 million dollar a year, 18 million dollar a year edge rusher who will just light up left tackles for sacks. You know, and 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 quarterback hits, pressures 30, 40 times a year. Um, but if if the carefully constructed defense is not working or it's been, but don't break and it's breaking at the end. And you're just allowing touchdown after touchdown, having a guy who can just short circuit all of that and get a sack Every, you know, however many snaps or at least makes the offensive coordinator think about having to stop somebody like that just really changes the math. And and they don't have that guy and they haven't been trying that hard to bring that guy in. Um, and again, Julian O'Quara, I was asked before the season, I went on some show and they're like, give us your hottest Lions take. And I'm like, I'm not really a, a hot take purveyor. That's not really my thing. But like, OK, Julian O'Quara leads the team in sacks at the end of the year just because he's a chess piece. You bring him on for second and long, for third down. And, and from everything you and a lot of other people were saying, the bend is there, the athleticism is there, um, you know, the potential is there. And it's his big brother who's getting the only pressure. And, and we know he's not the kind of guy offensive coordinators spend all night thinking about how am I going to stop Romeo O'Quara
0: no, and that's why he's. I mean, uh, in a lot of reasons. That's why he's getting those pressures because they're just leaving him. Like, just take your one-on-one <laughs> right. best shot, and if you get there once or twice a game, then so be it. We're not going to adjust to you. I mean, the one sack right. he had Sunday was because they ran a tight end at him, and he made a really good play. He blew through the tight end. He got the breeze. He finished the sack. But yeah, they're not. <laughs> you're right. They're not pivoting uh, extra blockers to Romeo Okora. And I think that's been one of the frustrations for fans certainly, at least, you know, just based on questions I get and everything is why isn't Julian Okor getting more opportunities? I think he had 10 10 snaps uh, Sunday. And um, yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily need, you're right, you don't need a Khalil Mack necessarily to make this system work. And even just watching the Patriots against the Chiefs, uh, their edge guys right now, it's like Shalik Calhoun, Chase Winovich, Derek Rivers, these are all mid-round picks that they've just sort of developed into the scheme and um so it can be done it's just obviously not happening for the Lions I think it's disappointing that Trey Flowers hasn't been more of an impact guy we I don't know that Jelani Tavais really pressured the quarterback at all when they blitzed him we haven't seen Derek Davis blitz because he hasn't been on the field so there just isn't really even an opportunity to to dial up those pressures and um And yeah, like Patricia always says, it kind of all goes hand in hand. You rip on the coverage, but if you're not doing anything to disrupt the quarterback, you know, most quarterbacks in the NFL are going to find holes in your coverage if you're giving them time to sit there and pick apart whatever's out. So I I don't know. I think you're right. I don't think there are a lot of answers. I do think Jamie Collins is better than anything they had last year. Certainly at that spot, I think we've seen him make an impact. But, you know, putting in one linebacker who can go sideline to sideline and putting in you know, Deron Harmon, who's been pretty good. I think they've taken away a lot of the deep stuff, and that's mostly because of him. Um, so those guys are helping, but you still, you're still looking at it, and you know, you're probably short another safety or two, who can do that the way they want to play this defense. You're probably short another linebacker or two. I mean, you're short yeah. up front, so uh, it does all go together. And then, like you said, when you, at least if you slow down the run you give yourself a chance to get into some of those 3rd and 9s and 3rd and 10s, and you're still going to give those up on occasion, but you're going to give up a lot fewer of them than you're giving up 3rd and 4 and 3rd and 5, and they just can't get teams into those spots. And that was my, uh, my, my lead point for our observations we did this week. My, uh, it was Colton Pouncey joined me for those because Nick's out. Um, the Patriots' defense, like their staple is that they're going to take away the one thing you want to do most. That's what they're gonna focus on. They're gonna yeah. take it away. And they've done it over and over. And the Lions can't can't take away a single thing from the opposition. <laughs> you know, you knew they weren't gonna the Cardinals were gonna throw DeAndre Hopkins, so they threw DeAndre Hopkins. And you knew um, you know, the the Saints were gonna use Alvin Kamara in motion and throw the ball to him, so they used him in motion and threw the ball to him. And like they just can't eliminate anything because they don't have the players to do that and so you end up talking about these same things over and over again, where it, you know, it looks like Jeff Okuda is getting beat, and you know, it looks like Trey Flowers is losing all his reps, and it all kind of just blends together because their their scheme isn't as good as the scheme they're facing. Frankly, if we if we want to get right yeah. down to it, like
1: they got out coached Sunday. I don't think there's any way around that. And, you know, that you can get out coached sometimes, but I think there's a fundamental problem, which is that this is theoretically a defense built around, you know, yeah the guys up front control the line of scrimmage and, you know, Trey Flowers is not earning his $90 million through sacks and and big plays. I'm not sure that he was ever going to, because that really wasn't that wasn't super his game to begin with in new england it was more about um you know he, you know the athleticism and the power and the the versatility you know he can play and he can slide inside he can even slide outside i know uh, several lions bloggers were pulling their hair out when they saw he was lined up basically in coverage as a cornerback uh in that first game right and that's kind of what i thought the addition of jamie collins would let them do because flowers last year i think he played 94 percent of his snaps as a down defensive end and he's he's not that guy he's not a you know von miller khalil Mack. okay just put him at the edge and let him terrify people uh he's he's an incredible chess piece to have but he's just a piece um and i and i think i think that that hasn't been more fruitful is a problem and again you know danny shelton has been pretty solid considering you know the ups and downs of his career but he's still a you know 30 35 snap space eater type and then who do you have after that you know a, a lot of these guys were still waiting for the promise of deshaun hand to, to f- be fulfilled um you know some of the guys that they, it feels like bob quinn has added like nine inside outside guys that can you know stop the run on first down and then yeah. slide inside and pressure the. and where are they none of them are <laughs> making any kind yeah. of impact or on the field or on the roster
0: yeah, that actually was going to be my point as you were talking. That was sort of the thought I had in my head is that it seems like they've gone to they've gone so far to try to build this defense that's, you know, quote-unquote multiple that when they play in Arizona that's in no huddle, they can just leave the same 11 guys out there cuz you can shift everyone around. And that's great. That's valuable certainly to have guys that can be out there on all three downs. And to have, I mean, Trey Flowers has clear value in the NFL as a defensive lineman. He's a good run defender. He can hold an edge. He will get you some sacks. He's a good football player. And you need guys like that. You need to have Tracy Walkers and Jamie Collins's, but it's almost like they've gone so far in trying to find these, you know, kind of hybrid guys that, you know, now you're stuck in this area where, okay, maybe we can do A little bit of everything, but there isn't anything they do really well. Like what's their one thing that they're really good at defensively? And I don't think there is any. I don't think there's a single thing that you go into these games and say, well, they've they've really got a matchup advantage there. I don't think there's a single spot on the field right unless you get Collins against, you know, maybe a a running back who's not Elvin Kamara, or you get, you know, some tight a tight end like a maybe matched up against Tracy Walker. But even then, I mean, you know, new Packers superstar Robert Tanyan caught a touchdown against them and they you know they've won some of those matchups when they've had Tracy Walker in those one-on-ones. So I don't think there is a single spot on the field right now. Uh, maybe Okuda gets you there eventually, but I don't think there's a single spot on the field right now where you go into Sunday and say, "All right, this is it. This you don't worry about that. The Lions, that that's taken care of. The Lions are going to win yeah. that matchup 80% of the time." Yeah. See what else is there. They're, that's not anywhere. They don't have that anywhere on the field, and that is, uh, to your point, I think that is it's some of it's coaching, but I think a lot of that goes back to Quinn and the personnel, and whether it's Quinn on his own or Quinn and Patricia together, or whatever the the marriage is there that's making these decisions. I think you you really do look at that because even when they make those improvements on paper, like getting Flowers, Collins, Harmon true font to some extent, even though, you know, you had to kick out Darius Slay to do it. Um, You know, Justin Coleman, like they've added guys that should make this defense better and it's just not all coming together.
1: Yeah. And it's as, as totally inconsistent as it is, it's, you know, it's not even that they're not doing one thing well on 80% of snaps. They also can't do anything well for one snap when they need to, you know, if it's, if it's third and long and you need a sack, Who's the guy? What's the play call? What's the design? You know, if it's third and long and they need a sack, you know, the Bears know who they're going to try and get a sack from. The Packers know how they're going to try and attack the quarterback. Um, you know, the Vikings less so now than last year, but, you know, the Lions. Who who is that guy? What's the scheme? What's the play call? Who do you like to win that matchup? Who do you send on a blitz that you are confident is going to win their assignment and, and get there. And same thing with stopping the run that third and three late in the game with Kamara. I haven't gone back again. I didn't look at the film, so I didn't see, I don't know the personnel that was lined up. It's like third and three. It looked like it was like a big nickel situation. And the saints just fired off the ball and it looked like the whole defense ran backwards yeah and I mean, you know they, they released like four blockers into the second level and then all four of those blockers won their one-on-ones
0: yeah i mean I just <laughs> on that play what? real on that specific play real quick i mean a you're in third and short again yeah. so you're kind of in no man's land like do you defend the pass do you defend the run and they ended up like you said they ended up with the personnel to try and split the gap and then b they i think they guessed Wrong, and that goes back to the you know the coaching, the play calls. Because I think if that if that's one of the you know one of those off tackle runs or an inside draw that they've been using Kamara on, they seem like they were in pretty decent position. They had seven or eight guys in the box, the defensive line at least kind of stalemated things. They might have had a chance, but they tossed it out wide. It was a cornerback, I think maybe two cornerbacks out there against a wide receiver and a tight end. And Kamara, I mean he could have walked for five yards. He didn't, he went out of bounds because he felt like it. Like there wasn't anyone that was forcing his hand at that point. So yeah, I mean, I I think that it's, I just don't know where the fixes are. I think that's the biggest problem. Like you, unless you're playing a quarterback that kind of fits into exactly what this scheme is built to do, or you play a team that has a really bad day offensively and you know, the bears had a bad day offensively for three quarters. And then (laughs) <laughs> uh, lit them up in the fourth so yeah even that strategy doesn't work a whole lot so I, I just don't know I don't know where the fixes are Patricia keeps harping on you know the fundamentals and the techniques and cleaning things up and being more consistent and like that's fine I mean sh- certainly you want to improve all those things but you know if if your technique and your fundamentals aren't going to be perfect on every single play you still have to have something that's available to you defensively and uh, as we've seen, they really don't. I mean, that was, uh, it's actually surprising to me that the Saints didn't score in the fourth quarter. And I think it was just because they kind of shut it down a little bit and right. uh, we're just trying to eat some clock. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, if, if this thing ends in the near future with Matt Patricia, uh, that's going to be the reason why. It's just, they just have not solved anything defensively.
1: Do you want to talk offense or do we yes. want to just get no, right into get the it. Quinn stuff? No, okay,
0: no. okay. No, no, no. Let's go offense because I think you're right. I think this was one of those games where you said, all right, they're going to have to score. They're going to have to score points. And more importantly, they're probably going to have to score points while they kind of dictate tempo and control the clock. And none of that happened no. <laughs> until the fourth quarter when they were down by 14 and then put together two really methodical drives. Yeah. Which almost
1: maybe worked. too methodical yeah. almost
0: worked where they had the ball with a chance for the walk-off touchdown um, it, it almost got there but that was really the only time that they got the game looking the way that they want I mean that fourth quarter is what the whole game was supposed to look like for them and the first three quarters didn't look like that
1: I it, you have two main areas of concern and I guess I'll start with the bigger one which is number one Coming out of the Bears game, There's two. There, well, <laughs> two <laughs> main okay, areas. Okay. Gotcha. One is one is one. We'll we'll get with the one, and then there's another whole area. <laughs> right. uh, but so so the first thing is Matthew Stafford. You know, coming out of the Chicago Bears game, my take was sort of people are like, well, you know, Stafford made that mistake. A veteran quarterback can't make mistakes. I'm like, a veteran quarterbacks make mistakes every single week. You know, same week. Tom Brady threw a pick six, you know, it's football. Nobody is perfect. Every single throw, every single game, every single week. It's that's not how it works. Uh, And and my thing was really, if you need Matthew Stafford to be lights out, perfect to beat the bears at home, everything else is a mess anyway. The whole rest of the team is not good enough. You know, that that's that's not the problem. Replace. You're not going to find somebody who's consistently perfect at quarterback, or at least enough consistently better than Matthew Stafford has been, to go, well, we can just upgrade that. And then the fact that you can't run, can't stop the run, can't pressure the pass, can't cover the pass, won't matter. You know, I mean, okay, great. If you draft Peyton Manning, apparently you can do that for 20 years, but you know, that doesn't have – every year, five teams try to draft Peyton Manning and it doesn't work. Um, so this, though, I mean, this this is bad. You're missing wide open throws in the end zone. You're throwing red zone picks. Um, there There's drives that were there on the table that didn't get finished, that could have got finished. And, you know, it ended up being a one-score game. And as as much as I hate to insinuate that any NFL team – can plausibly allow a 35-0 run in the wrong direction and still come out on top (laughs) and be like, well, you know, we had it under control the whole time. There was at least that opportunity there, and you only needed to close on one or two of them throughout the game to actually be in that situation and, and, you know, survive by the skin of your teeth and, and, you know, survive and go into this bye week going, Hey, we won the two, you know, two of the tougher games in this four game stretch for 500 reset. Um, you know, and that's what I, you know, you guys, you and Nick talked about, you know, there's this whole range of possibilities of if the lions get blown out by new Orleans, it's a brutal looking one in three. if they, just if it's a close game against new orleans in either direction okay you know the the executioner is not right there at your doorstep but like it you know there's stuff to talk about hey and if they win then hey you know everything's back on the table we can still have a good season and technically this is a one score game but as you said it, it really wasn't and um when's the last time they won a game that they didn't deserve to win this is what I was going to get back to because this, this ties back into the Caldwell thing where you and I spent forever going, the Lions never win three in a row. They <laughs> yeah. never they never win. Uh, they very rarely win on the road. They never win as favorites. I, I meant to look this up before the show. I'm not sure the Lions won a game. <laughs> they were favored to win the entire time under Jim Caldwell. But flip it around now and it, it's it's – they never get lucky. They only get unlucky. You know, every once in a while there's a black Swan game, you know, the Patriots game that first year, they had a chance to beat the chiefs. Um, you know, there's, a couple games where everything clicks and you go, Oh, this is how it's supposed to look. This is how it should be. This is how it could be. This is how it is every time. But like, you know, right now it's, it's, they need everything to go right against even, you know, middling, mediocre opponents. I, I, I like the Cardinals and I like what they're building, but they're not, you know, the Pats, the Packers, even the Saints at this point. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, they need everything to go right on offense. And Matthew Stafford has to be better than this because the defense is not going to hold opponents to 12, 14, 18 points. They're going to have to score 30 to win. And you can't do that on, you know, the first drive and the last drive of every game.
0: So a couple of things for me on Stafford, uh, as I said, I think that the all 22 came, I pulled it up for like 45 minutes before we started recording. So I certainly haven't gone through it with the depth that I normally would, uh, in a week and I will get back to it after we record. But for sure. Um, one thing that jumped out, I tweeted out about it and it, I sort of noticed it live. I was just going back kind of confirming what I'd seen. Uh, the first three quarters of that game, Basically, aside from an occasional DeAndre Swift route out of the backfield, everything the Lions ran in their routes was outside the hash marks. All of it. Nothing underneath. No crossing routes. There was no one sitting down at the markers. They didn't use Jamal Agnew. Uh, They had the one 50-yarder to Amendola where they had three receivers on the left, released two of them. Uh Amendola cut across, and the linebacker basically just didn't carry him. It was just a coverage bust. That was the one time where they really ran a guy across the middle of the field and looked for him. And it just was almost like they went into that game thinking that the Saints were so banged up at quarterback that they were going to have – either they were going to have the deep shots to Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones available all day, or the Saints were going to overplay that and they'd be able to run the ball. And they didn't do either of those things. And they didn't adjust to it until the fourth quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, they started running guys over the middle. Stafford started looking for some of those slants. And uh, he took a deep shot downfield to Marvin Jones that drew uh, pass interference when he got him matched up on a linebacker. He almost threw another touchdown pass down the middle of the field. They started attacking some of those spots. But for a lot of that game, the Saints were just sort of sitting sitting in zone with a couple guys over the top and just letting the Lions – run guys into coverage and this has been a thing that has happened time and again i mean stafford talked about it after i think it was the bears game and then it happened again in the packers game uh, when kenny galladay was out of the lineup you know people kept asking well, why aren't you throwing the ball downfield and he said well the, the safeties are taking that away they're just sitting deep so we got to look underneath and we got to look for shorter stuff so what do you do if they're taking that away and then there isn't any shorter stuff? And I think you saw some of that result <laughs> yeah. on Sunday. There's just nowhere to go with the football in a lot of those plays. And then the other thing is, and you know, I think it kind of pairs hand in hand with that, Stafford to me on Sunday looked as jittery in the pocket yes. as I can yes. remember him looking. And I don't know if that's just because the pass rush got there a few times because he's still not feeling... I mean, he seems healthy. He seems like he's moving well. When he scrambles, it's been effective. So I don't know that the back is an issue, but um, maybe the time off is still messing with him and this bio help. But he looked as – that was as unsettled as his footwork
1: has been in the pocket in my memory. So now we're coming to my second concern, <laughs> which is the offensive line. Um, I 100% agree with you. and And, you know, the protection hasn't been amazing – but also he looks so unsettled, even when the protection is there, even even when he's got a pocket. Um, that early the third drive, the third and three sack. Um I, I joked on Twitter, I said, you know, Matthew Stafford wisely takes a sack so you can bring out your best weapon, Jack Fox. <laughs> um, but I you know, same thing, third and three, you got all these guys, you got Hawkinson, you got Jesse James, you got DeAndre Swift, you got Danny Amendola, you got all these guys that should be eating on third and three and he's dancing around in what was i mean it wasn't a clean clean pocket but it it, it was pretty compact but he had time and i I can't imagine that nobody was open again i haven't looked at the l22 i I, I really don't know if
0: that's that might have been the play i tweeted out honestly this morning there was one third like third and mid-range like that kind of earlier in the game where it was sort of what i was saying you know it was third and third and manageable and then everyone's running eight yard routes to the sideline and you're like, Well what what's the plan
1: here? But I, I yeah. mean I think you're right about now that you say, Yeah, there wasn't a receiver on screen on third and three. Now that you're like, I'm thinking, and he takes that sack and I'm sitting there going, there should have been a layup there. There should have been four layups there. I mean, this is, this is the reverse of the Scott Linehan days when it was, you know, everyone's short. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Third and eight and everyone run, you run four or five yard curls and you go, okay, well, (laughs) how how was that?
0: I I think you're right. I mean, I think that that's been, that was the thing that jumped out to me. It's not, it's not that he's getting out and scrambling or that he's, you know, trying to move the pocket at times. It's that he's, Really, try. He's. It seems like his clock has been really sped up, even when it doesn't need to be. And that was one of those plays that you know that there wasn't anything there. There was a little lanes for him to scramble, so maybe he just thought, okay, I'll just I'll just take off and get these three yards, and it didn't work out. But there are plays like that. There have been a handful of plays like that every week this season where the pocket looks pretty good or at least good enough to step up into and adjust that way stay stay at home but still kind of move things a little bit and he's out he's just gone and i don't know it just doesn't look the way he did uh you know we always point back to the first half of last year but certainly he's he's been doing this for a long time now and i i really can't remember him being this uncomfortable at least looking this uncomfortable in the pocket maybe he's not uncomfortable maybe that's that's what they're telling me to do. Take your five steps. If nothing's there, just go because everyone's running vertically, so we can get six yards anyway. Because everyone's yeah. dropping on defense. Maybe that's the plan.
1: Well, um, I think this, I this part of me, part of me, wants to say, okay, and this is why they have needed an Amendola replacement, or you need a, you know, the the, the one-two punch of Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, who are pretty similar receivers in terms of what they do best. You know, they're the medium and long routes. They get vertical. They win at the point of the catch. You know, they're not smoking people. They're not burning people. They're not taking slants to the house. Um, Okay, well, then you need someone who has that sort of short game who runs the other options on the route tree a little bit better. You know, and I know you did a bunch of homework on all the wide receivers. A bunch of people were talking about wide receivers, you know, rookie guys, you know, Brandon Ayuk is a guy, you know, in San Francisco, who's you know, exactly the kind of guy that they needed, um, the, the the 49ers, I mean, but also some of those guys that could have gone in late first, second, third, um, you know, could have fit into this offense very well. But ultimately, I think the problem really is the offensive line. And that's, you know, I understand right player, right price. And I understand that the Patriots have always been in that school of, you know, we don't get sentimental. We don't pay guys too much just because there are guys. And reasonable minds can disagree on whether Rick Ragnar or Graham Glasgow were, quote unquote, worth the money that they signed for elsewhere. But that's two big pieces off your offensive line. And, you know, you draft a rookie guard, you know, Halapuli Vati Vaitai, you sign and think, well, if one of our young tackles steps up, he can play guard. If our young guard steps up, he can play tackle. And he's been hurt for two games and bad in two games. Yeah. And, you know, that's and, – and that lack of trust and, and, and reps – and this is the other thing is, you know, uh, training camp was what it was, no preseason, and I spent all summer telling radio shows, I don't know how you gel an offensive line with no games. Like, I, I don't know how you put when you've got a rookie coming in, probably walking into the starting lineup, a bunch of rotational guys who've played both guard spots and tackle a new guy who could play guard or tackle as a veteran. And then you have no games to put five guys in a row and give them 20, 30 snaps to see how they gel. I, you know, I don't know how you do that but at the same time you turn around and go okay well every other team had no preseason games and they can run the ball and they can throw the ball um, you know it's, the Saints didn't have Andrus Pete. um you know arguably their best offensive lineman they were able to run the ball they were able to throw the ball so i i, I think that that discombobulated offensive line might be contributing to Stafford's skittishness but those are two big problems that I don't see a clear solution for. This is this is where it is on the defense for me, where you go, you know, you're not controlling the line of scrimmage. The linebackers are not making plays, and I don't see a solution for that. This is the same thing where Stafford's just gotta play better. Stafford can just play better in theory. Absolutely, he could roll out of bed tomorrow and click into a groove, or whatever, or, or you know, put on his magic toe shoes and, and go be Matthew Stafford again. But I think that offensive line is is going to continue to be a problem that feeds into the Matthew Stafford problem.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting for me because I don't the offensive line. I feel like has played really well in some stretches, and I think Taylor Decker has been good. I think Frank Ragnow has been pretty yes. good. Yes. Uh Jonah Jackson has been one of the better rookie linemen in football. I mean without watching every single team, uh, you know, every single week, but I mean I think just right. the way he's played, you couldn't have really asked for much more than from him. And I think Tyrell Crosby if you're if you're just sort of looking at him in a vacuum, he's for a guy that if he's your, if you're looking at as your sixth lineman, and you're asking him suddenly to start at right tackle against some good pass rushers, I think he's played pretty well too. So you kind yeah. of go back to this one spot, uh, with Vitai, where, you know, Bob. I don't want to rehash. Too, we're 40 minutes into this episode. I don't want to rehash too much Bob Quinn stuff, but. This is just such an easy target for people to say. Well, if you were going to pay forty-five million dollars, yes, and yes. Don't use Vitai as a swing tackle guard, just pay Graham Glasgow and yes. find a tackle. And yes. I think you know they've kind of left themselves open to a lot of these situations by maybe outthinking themselves in the personnel department. And I also think it's possible Vitai comes back in two weeks when he's had another week to kind of heal up that, that foot injury. Fair. And his, fair. His, fine offensive lineman he's a really good run blocker I think we've seen him be a good run blocker even inside now but he's not a great he was never going to be a great guy in pass protection that was kind of the one thing you worried about anyway and now you put him inside and he's getting beat because he's not moving around very well and uh, I do wonder what it'll look like when Joe Dahl's healthy do you plug him right back in and then yeah. Crosby to the bench or are you sitting your forty five million dollar free agent signing <laughs> on the bench? So that's another one to look at. I the offensive line to me has been okay. It hasn't been great in the run game. Um
1: it's it hasn't been great protecting Stafford that's where it I needs think now. Th- that's 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 probably that's true. the thing I'm struggling that's with. True. Is Matthew Stafford has been productive behind bad pass protecting offensive lines. You have enough weapons where if you're if you're drawing up schemes you know, to, to account for it, you've got enough outlets. You've got enough big guys. You got an, you know, you've got a fast guy. You got Jamal Agnew out there. You know, um, and and you've got your two downfield guys, uh, and a lot of them have been around for years. You know, you you have a good rapport. Amendola is Stafford's first lifeline that he looks for. You've got all those guys out there, uh, but what you're supposed to be doing is running the ball to control the clock. You've got all these running backs. You keep drafting running backs. You keep signing running backs. And uh, you know Peterson's been. I mean, you can't. I can't ask much more for a 35 year old free agent running back. You, you really can't. And Swift, they're working in slowly, and it's working that they're working him in slowly. But I think they need him. They need him fastly. You know, they need. They need him to be more productive quicker. Um, So, uh, you know, but it it comes back to, I think you need to be able to control the line of scrimmage a little bit more than you're able to right now. And that, that does appear to be a personnel problem. And I know, I know you don't want to go too far down the Bob Quinn (laughs) rabbit hole, but I think this is, this is probably my biggest, you know, and just about everybody's biggest critique is it's hard enough to do this in the NFL. You know, you're trying to build a house, right. And, you put pieces in place and you think those pieces are settled and it's hard enough because those pieces get old. They crumble to dust in your hands. You know, they, they go to other houses. They, uh, you know, you, you lose pieces all the time Whether it's money, you know, whatever. And so you're trying to to hit on draft picks and free agents fast enough to get the house finished before the pieces that you've got crumble or, or disappear and you know you're going up to a perfectly good dishwasher and going yeah this is contemporary we're trying to get like one of those cool like retro frigidaire ones you know like 50s looking so uh, let's throw out this perfectly good dishwasher and spend a bunch of money on a dishwasher okay well there's no wall over there you know it's like this this constant when you are throwing out good pieces to bring in slightly different pieces or pieces you think will be better or pieces that fit in with your vision and then you still have holes, you know, you're right as the homeowner to go, okay, well, like, I appreciate your artistic eye here, but we we need a house. Like, we, we have to be able to get in out of the rain and have a place to sleep at night. And that's why all we're circling back to all this Jim Caldwell talk and going, you know, okay, maybe the roof over our head, was only seven feet high and we had the duck under doors and, and it was never going to be pretty and it was never going to be fun, but at least we knew the roof wasn't going to cave in and it's, it's a perpetual state of caving in right now.
0: Yeah. I, and this to me goes back to, I just feel like there's a disconnect. And I said this when we were talking about the defense 20 minutes ago, I feel like there's a disconnect between what they're doing with the personnel and what's happening on the field, because they're—it's the same problem offensively, where you've brought—you know—you bring in Hawkinson, who I think is going to be one of the best tight ends in this league, yeah, hands down in the yeah. next within the next couple of years. Like I think yeah. he's that type of player if he stays healthy. You've got Galladay, who maybe isn't DeAndre Hopkins, but he's a legitimate number one receiver in the NFL. You yeah. go get Swift. Uh, you've got carry on. You bring in Peterson, and they've spent all this time and energy trying to, uh, you know, be able to mix and match what they do and control the clock and sort of dictate matchups against other teams. You know, if if we're playing the Packers, we're going to use carry on early because we like that inside zone more against the Packers, and if we're playing the Cardinals, we're going to use peterson because we need to really just grind it out and it like they they spent so much time trying to do this trying to build the way the patriots build that yes it's the same problem like just go do the things you're really good at yeah you've got two receivers <laughs> who can go vertical just throw it I,
1: who cares if there's a safety there Throw the ball to yeah. Kenny Galladay. <laughs> like Matthew, got the Stafford, <laughs> Matthew Stafford. Matthew uh, Stafford spent a lot of his career not caring if there was right. a safety. Day. And
0: that's been the right. other thing with Stafford. It seems like those though, like there were some of them, and one of them got picked off to Hawkinson. But there are fewer of those, just like winging a prayer type shots that we've seen from Stafford. And the other thing, I mean, but you've got Hawkinson who can play you know, move all over. He's kind of, they like to use him almost as an H-back. He can play all over the place, create some mismatches. Teams cannot cover DeAndre Swift, period. That's it. They can't cover him. <laughs> like when he's out there, he gets open every time. Uh, and you can spread the field and just run those guys into space. So why are we bringing in Jason Cabinda and running Adrian Peterson behind a fullback? You know, I it's just, and I know you want to do some, you can't just do the same thing over and over again. I know you want to control the clock, control the tempo, get the game played the way you want to play it, and you need to be able to do a variety of things, but it feels like that they're not really leaning on the stuff they can do well, which is this offense, as the way it's built with this offensive line, with the types of pieces they have, the only thing that's really missing, unless Marvin Hall or Jamal Agnew is going to be that guy, is that like big play slot guy who's just going to take the top off defenses and really concern you whenever he has the ball in his hands. They don't have that, but everything else is there to just spread the field and really just force teams into uncomfortable spots. And a lot of times they don't do that. They just let him get comfortable. Like I said Sunday, they sort of played right into the Saints' hands with what they were doing with their routes, you know, when they when they brought Swift out there and got him matched up with the linebacker, it, it was an easy completion for them. And they did it, you know, they threw to him four times. And how they let Hawkinson just fall completely out of the game. Marvin Jones had one catch and two targets. Like they just are making it too easy for opposing defenses to dictate the game to them when they're supposed to it's supposed to be happening the other way around.
1: Yeah. And it's it comes from that sort of I I get that Bob Quinn is trying to manage this roster the way you manage the Patriots roster, which is where, you know, you don't overpay for guys and you know, you, you draft types and you draft the profiles and, and you sign guys that you know, or are, are comfortable with, you believe can do the thing you want them to come in and do. And you keep under the cap and, you know, you just coach more out of them and, and, and blah, 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 blah. But, that the the Lions aren't the Patriots yet. And I think one thing that that I really, really struggle with that seems to get lost in this accounting of Quinn and Patricia is that Quinn was here for two years before Patricia. Like he had a chance to lay some of this groundwork and just didn't. You know, Matt Patricia walks in here and then the, the controversial comments, he walked back, I guess, a little bit about, you know, I got here and I had a lot of work to do. And you know, maybe he wasn't wrong in terms of I need to take this perennial 9-7 and 7 team and turn them into a perennial 11-12 win team. That is a lot of work. But to walk in the door, and then from what Quinn said when he hired Patricia, he walked in the door to Detroit saying, yeah, I'll let you guys, I'll, I'll give Caldwell as much leash as you guys want. But whenever that runs up, I'm I'm getting Patricia in here. We work hand in glove, we know we see the game the same way, we want the same things, we're gonna build this team together. And so he had a couple of years to lay the groundwork for that. And then three years since, and we're still sitting here going, they don't have this, they don't have this, they're trying to do this, it's not working. They're trying to do that, it's not working. And it's, it's really confusing to me that two guys who, you know, basically threw their arms around each other and went, we know how to work together are not necessarily working that well together.
0: All right. Well, that was fun and uplifting for everyone. I'm sure <laughs> everyone's <laughs> feeling much better about things now, uh, as the lions head into the bye, And then, um, you know, uh, again, and Nick, Nick and I have talked about this, you know, this was one of the reasons you sort of circled those first six games and said, well, just survive the first six, the schedule gets a little easier, maybe you can get hot. And that's still on the table to go play yeah. Jacksonville and Atlanta and sort of pull this thing out of the abyss. But, you know, that it's got to happen um, because I think everyone can see kind of the writing on the wall if it doesn't. Um, but the, this is kind of right at the end, of, right on the, The cliff here. If they lose a couple more games, there's really no coming back from it. So um, we'll see what happens with the bye. We'll see what happens after the bye.
1: Um, Ty, any uh, parting? parting Well, I was just going to say if we're going to end, let's end on a high note is that the players haven't quit. You know, Lions fans have seen the players quit a lot. (laughs) And this isn't that yet. You know, those guys still believe that Matt Patricia knows what he's doing. They still believe the coaching staff knows what they're doing. They still believe and can see the vision, the project, and they can see a path to get from here to there. Maybe we can't see it. Maybe we don't see as much of it as they do, but they still believe in it. And that does count for something because you're right. You know, you get the bye week, um, a couple of these guys, you know, Swift and Vitae who came into the season hurt and, and, not getting enough reps you know if you give swift a little more time to install the playbook and you can get them out there for more snaps and you can take advantage of that there's definitely a, a path for improvement um but again it's it's on there. <laughs> they gotta coach better and the players gotta play better chris thanks
0: coach sounding good <laughs> it's like a
1: press conference <laughs> in here uh
0: well ty we appreciate you uh subbing in for nick it's good been good to talk to you again uh we went too long between <laughs> between Absolutely. podcast episodes. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, first off, uh, everyone go rate, review, subscribe to one of these years. we on Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Spotify, a bunch of other spots. As I mentioned the last episode or the episode before, we're not yet on the athletic app. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a little more drawn out process to get there. And we wanted to get this started in time for the season. So hopefully... Uh, we can uh, get in on that at some point here during the year too. But you can find us a bunch of other spots. Um, Ty, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, you know, it's um, hopefully next time we do it, there's more more joy in Mudville here and uh,
1: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> feeling man, a little anytime. better
0: about it. But um, yeah, make sure you go rate us, review us, subscribe. Thanks to everyone who's listened. And as I was about to say, and kind of just went blank for a second. Uh, definitely thanks to everyone who did keep asking it when Ty and I were coming yes. back. Uh, because yes. uh, it meant a lot to us. And as I said, when we relaunched the show with Nick, uh, it kind of helped me prove to the folks at The Athletic that there was a, an audience for Another Lines podcast and that people really wanted to hear um, some more breakdown and what we had to say. So it, it did mean a lot on a personal and professional level. So thank you for that Same. as well.
1: Um, Big Sam, absolutely. Thank you, everybody.
0: Yeah, and uh, like I said, Nick, I believe we'll be back uh, next week as we sort of look ahead. I uh, won't have the game to talk to, but we can look ahead to what's coming up after uh, with the Jaguars and then maybe getting some more guys back healthy. You know, Joe Dahl, Justin Coleman, Mike Ford, both Scarborough, lines of a bunch of guys who are eligible to come off IR. So we'll see what this looks like uh, next week. And uh, again, one more thanks to Ty. You can get him at Ty Schulte uh, on Twitter. I'm at Chris Burke NFL. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Cool, man. Thanks.